Daniel chapter number one. We are going to start a new book tonight. Uh, it is going to be an incredible, incredible study. Uh, Daniel has been said to be the Old Testament equivalent of Revelation in the New Testament. Revelation is an, a, 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 a book of prophecy, as is the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the things that I'm encouraged about and really uh, thinking how much we need this is because of what our society is becoming on a regular basis. How many of y'all notice the increase of wickedness? Not just, not just the, in the amount, but in the, in the speed that it's happening. Uh, you know, we said, boy, 20 years ago, you went, no, 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 two years ago, two years ago, you, you wouldn't see what we're seeing now. And, and according to scripture, the Bible says it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. In the last days, perilous times shall come. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And we're going to have to be able to know how to live and operate in a wicked culture, a wicked society. And the book of Daniel tells us how. And all God's people say it. Uh, uh, and let's do this. Let's pray. Let's pray over uh, this rain so I can, I, can, I can be able to speak without having to holler. God knows if we need rain, he's the one that sends it. Amen. But let's pray that we can all hear and, 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 and are y'all ready to study a new book? Amen. Amen. I am too. I love when we're in a certain book and, 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 you know, we have a little break in between, uh, but I like just jumping right back into another book and going verse by verse. Now tonight is going to be a little different. It may be a little shorter because it's, we're not going to get into the verse by verse. We're going to do the intro to the book to give you an overview of the whole thing. And then Lord's willing next week, we'll go verse by verse and take it in chapter number one. All right. So if that makes sense, say amen. Let's look in Daniel chapter number one, Daniel chapter number one in verse number one. It says in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon into Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he could, he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace of whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the princes of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and unto Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel, say it with me, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Let's pray and we'll jump into this uh, intro tonight. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. I am so thankful for the privilege and the honor to stand where I'm standing tonight. 
Lord, I thank you for the people who's braved the weather and they've come out and, and Lord, they're ready to learn and they're ready to grow. Lord, I pray that you will not let them leave disappointed. I pray that they'll uh, uh, be blessed tonight. I pray that they'll be encouraged tonight. Uh, we need some edification, Lord. We are living in, in desperate days. We're living in critical times. Uh, Lord, the, the, the Bible says that because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. And Lord, we're seeing a lot of people waxing cold. We're seeing a lot of people lose the enthusiasm and the passion that they need for you and your work. And God, I pray tonight that you'll touch us and help us. Give us what we stand in need of. Lord, I love you with all my heart. Forgive us all where we have failed you. Forgive us of anything that would hinder your Holy Spirit from having free reign in this service tonight. Lord, please let us have liberty and give us the power and unction of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated at Fairview. The book of Daniel is, is, is far, especially for a... Uh, a younger person growing up in Sunday school, uh, if you had the privilege and the honor to have that happen, uh, this is, these are where the cool stories were found. I mean, where you, where you see Daniel in the den of lions, you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace of fire and God delivering them and really, really cool stories we're going to find and get to here in this particular book. Uh, but we're also going to find that there is a lot of prophecy in this book. God, God shows what's going to happen. Daniel is dealing with the present and then he's going to learn about the future. And I'm glad to know that God knows what's going to happen in the future. Do I have a witness? Listen, several things I want to talk about, several things I want to talk about, but I want to kind of, I want to kind of set the stage, you know, kind of, uh, why is this book so important for us right now? We're going to find and, and learn about some young men who were teenagers. Uh, most, most Bible scholars believe that, that the young men we we're reading about, Daniel specifically, was probably about 15 years old when he was taken. Basically, we can use the word kidnapped. He was taken from his family, uh, taken from his home, and taken to a faraway place. And now he's surrounded by immorality. He's surrounded by idolatry. He's surrounded by wickedness. And listen, think about this. He's a long way from home and nobody will know. It's kind of like kids going to college, isn't it? But guess what? He stayed steadfast. He stayed steadfast. What are we going to see? We're going to see a wicked culture. We're going to see a wicked atmosphere, wicked surroundings. But we're also going to see... People who stay steadfast, people who stay committed, and we see a God who's faithful to deliver them when they need it. Say amen. So this is going to be, this is going to be a great study, a very, very needed study for where we're at now because our culture is wicked. Our, our societies are getting worse and worse and worse. I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing how saturated with, with ungodliness and wickedness that we have found ourselves in and it's just going to get worse, but we're going to have to stay steadfast. We're going to have to stay unmovable because listen, if, if, if we don't stay and if we don't commit and if we don't shine as dark as it's getting, who's going to, who's going to. So number one, write this down, write this down. Don't you see the content of the book? 
the content of the book. Two basic, two basic areas of content, if you will. <clears throat> the content of the book. First of all, we see a historical content. We're going to see a historical content. Things, historical events that take place. A lot of history, a lot of history. Uh, and we're going to tonight, we're going to look at uh, some secular, the secular side of it. Now, we know this took place on the spiritual side, on the biblical side. We know all of this happened because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion, because of their wickedness. God said, okay. Do you remember, how many of y'all remember when, when the, the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and, and got to the promised land and God says, listen, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, all these blessings I'm going to offer you, but there's all these curses. You seen what I did to Egypt. I'm going to put before you and it's your choice to choose either blessings or cursings. And you know what? God is only doing what he said he was going to do. He's only doing what he said he was going to do. If you walk with me, I'm going to bless you. If you honor me, I'm going to bless you. If you put me first, I'm going to bless you. But if you walk away from me, I'm going to bring the cursings on you and you will be taken into captivity. And that's what we see here in this chapter. So we see that we see a, a historical content. One of the things we are going to see is the conquest of Jerusalem. Write that down. The conquest of Jerusalem. Now that's, this doesn't happen all at, all at one time. When I was growing up, I thought the captivity and, 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 and the taking over of Jerusalem, I thought it was just all one event and it all happened at the same time. But that's, that's not what happened. There was really three different, three different deportations, if you will. Uh, so let me, let me read and just take a minute. Just put your, put your, put your, your pen in park for just a second. And let me, let me read. Let me read just a little historical content to help you catch up to where we're at. Okay. In the late 7th century B.C., the kingdom of Judah was a client state of the Assyrian Empire. In the last decades of the century, Assyria was overthrown by Babylon, an Assyrian province. Egypt, fearing the sudden rise of the Neo-Babylonian Empire, seized control of Assyrian territory up to the Euphrates River in Syria. But Babylon counterattacked, and in the process, Josiah, the king of Judah, was killed in the battle with the Egyptians at the Battle of Megiddo in 609 B.C. After the defeat of Pharaoh Necho, army, uh, Necho's army by the Babylonians in 605, Jehoiakim began paying tribute to Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon and some of the young nobility of Judah were taken to Babylon. This is the first deportation. This is when Daniel was taken, 605. All right, say that with me. 605, all right. Now, uh, he was afraid. He was afraid, King Jehoiakim. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some stuff. I'll give you some stuff out of the temple. He gave up some of the vessels out of God's temple, he, which was basically paying a ransom, uh, uh, paying a bribe, if you will. Uh, uh, we will, we will, we will, we will turn our allegiance from Egypt because they had a pact with Egypt. So instead of having an allegiance to Egypt, we're going to have an allegiance to Babylon. Just don't destroy the city. So Nebuchadnezzar was cool with that. So he took, he took the bribe. He took the money. He took the vessels. He took what he, he gave him, but he also took as a way in my mind, it was, it was almost, uh, 
not as a ransom, but listen, we're going to take your young people to keep you in line. And so they took the best of the best. They took the elite of Jerusalem. They took the royal seed, the, the most handsome, the most intelligent, the best of the best, and took them. This may have been a couple hundred. This may have been a little less or a little more, just a handful, not the, the, the whole deportation of the city, just the youth, just the youth. Think about that a minute. Now, we're not going to go into detail about that tonight, but you're going you're gonna to see how the devil operates. He's going to go after the youth. Why is he going to go after the youth? Because they grow up. And what does he do when he goes after the youth? He takes them to a foreign land and tries to brainwash them and turn them from being good little Jewish boys to good Chaldean idolaters. We're going to change their names. You see their names, Daniel, all the, the three Hebrew children, all of them, their names had something to do with their God, Jehovah. But when they took them into captivity, they changed their names. All of them had to do with an idolatrous God of Babylon. They're trying to change their God. Are y'all seeing this? They're trying to change their beliefs. They're trying to change everything. Listen, that's exactly what's happening to our young people today. The same identical thing. And we see, we see the conquest of Jerusalem. Now look, now look, the first one is in 605. Say that with me. The first, the first deportation, this is with Daniel and those other young men, about 15 years old. Daniel's about 15 years old. What, what year? 605. Now watch this. In the following years, the court of Jerusalem was divided into two parties. One supporting Egypt and the other Babylon. After Nebuchadnezzar was defeated in the battle in 601 BC by Egypt, Judah revolted against Babylon, culminating in a three-month siege of Jerusalem. They're saying, Jehoiakim says, I'm not going to pay tribute no more. We're not going to pay taxes no more. We're not going after this because Babylon's weak. Egyptian's strong, or Egypt is strong now. We're going to trust in Egypt now. That was a bad move. There's a three-month siege of Jerusalem beginning in late 598 B.C. Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, died under that siege and was succeeded by his son Jehoiakim with an N, not an M. Some, some also called him Jeconiah. At the age of 18, the city fell, the city fell, and Nebuchadnezzar pillaged Jerusalem and its temple and took Jeconiah his, his, uh, and his court, the prominent citizens, which would now include the prophet Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel. And now they're back to Babylon. So he left Jehoiakim's uncle Zedekiah and he was appointed king in his place. But the exiles in Babylon continued to consider Jeconiah as their rightful ruler. Now, so we have the first one in 605. That's when Daniel and several of the young men are taken. They are taken to try to brainwash them, to try to uh, uh, train them, teach them, develop them, because they were going to use them to control the rest of the Jews. If that makes sense, amen. Well, well, when, when Nebuchadnezzar had a defeat in one of the battles he had, uh, 
Jehoiakim decided, hey, we don't have to pay taxes no more. We don't have to be servants to this king anymore. He's weak now. Bad move again. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar came this time and he sacked he sacked Jerusalem. He, he sacked everything in the temple. Did not destroy the temple, but he pillaged it. And now he took, he took the, the king and his court and took them to Babylon. Now they're in captivity. And he left. He left. Uh, uh, who do I say? Here we go. I got it right here. Lord have mercy. I got so much writing on here. Zedekiah. Say it with me. Zedekiah with a Z. Now, now, despite, now, now keep in mind, I'm giving you secular history, secular history in secular history. We, they will say they were defeated because they were weak or for whatever reason, when we go to the Bible, the Bible says they were destroyed or taken in captivity because of their wickedness. In other words, God's hand was in it. It wasn't just a weak military strategy. It was the judgment of God. Somebody say amen. Despite the warnings by Jeremiah, despite the warnings by Jeremiah and the other pro-Babylonian party, Zedekiah revolted. Zedekiah revolted against Babylon and entered into an alliance with Pharaoh. Nebuchadnezzar returned, defeated the Egyptians and besieged Jerusalem again resulting in the city's destruction. This is in 587. Some say 586. So we have Daniel taken in 605. Then we have the king and also the prophet, the prophet Ezekiel taken in 597. And now we see the final defeat and the final raising of of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in 587, 586 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed uh, the city wall in the temple and together with the houses of the most important citizens, Zedekiah and his sons were captured. They tried to flee. They tried to flee and they made it to about Jericho. And remember where y'all rode the camels right there. They made it to the plains of Jericho. They were captured, taken over and, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar took, took uh, Zedekiah killed his sons in front of him so he could see it and then poked his eyes out. He wanted the last thing he saw was his sons being killed. That was the last thing he saw on this planet. Took his eyes out, blinded him, and then took him to captivity to Babylon. And that was it. The the temple, the beautiful, majestic, incredibly expensive temple that Solomon built was burnt and destroyed. Burnt and destroyed. Why? Because when you honor God, God honors you. When you choose wickedness, you reap wickedness. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so here we find, here we find in this span, God is, God is, and, and, and we see an unbelievable amount of punishment and judgment, but I also see an incredible amount of patience. And if they would have just done what God said to do, if they would have listened to the prophets, if they would have done what they were supposed to do, this would have never happened. So now we see, now we see the conquest of Jerusalem. Secondly, write this down. We see the captivity of the elite in Israel. 
Daniel was of the royal line. Daniel was, uh, he was, he was, he was pretty sharp. Some of the most intelligent, the, 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 the handsome, the, the, the elite. Now, why did he take the young people? What did the Bible say? I looked this up. There was, I think four different places, four different places where God told the nation of Israel over and over and over that he would visit the iniquity upon the children the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. So what's happening? The children are paying for the foolishness of the fathers. Are y'all with me? Say amen. This is historical content. We see the conquest of Jerusalem, the captivity of the elite. Then we see the commitment of a faithful few. We're going to see the commitment of a faithful few and Several places here in this book. It's going to be really good. Then number four, we're going to see the care of those committed. The care of those committed. I love this. If you'll stay committed to him, he'll stay committed to you. Number five, we're going to see the collapse of the wicked. Here, here's, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but I know where I'm going and I want to hurry up and get there because it's so good. All of this looks like a defeat of God. Can you imagine if you were the nation of Israel and, and you know that God is the God of the universe. There's only one God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God who made the sun and the stars and the moon. He's the God who you worshiped and he's the God who gave you all that he gave you. He's the God that gave you houses that you didn't build and wells that you didn't dig and vineyards that you didn't plant. He gave you abundance and blessings and incredible things. And you saw him do incredible things against Egypt and all of your enemies. Now, all of a sudden you're defeated. And there's nothing you can do. God's temple has been destroyed. God's temple is being raised and being ransacked and all the vessels are taken and put in a, put in an idolatrous treasure house of, of listen, every place that Nebuchadnezzar would go and conquer, he would take their gods and their religious artifacts and take it as his prizes. And now the God of the universe, his stuff is in with all the other stuff. Can you imagine what Daniel's thinking? Can you imagine what the, the nation of Israel's thinking? This looks like an utter defeat. This looks like God is weak. But guess what? The whole time, God is behind the scenes pulling the strings. All of it is part of God's plan. And it may look like the wicked's winning. You hear it? And it kind of looks like that today, doesn't it? It looks like the wicked is winning. You know, the psalmist said something about this. The psalmist said, my foot had well nigh slipped. He said, man, when I started seeing the prosperity of the wicked and I saw what the people that tried to do good, everything went bad. And the people that did wicked, everything went good. He said, man, I just about wanted to quit. He said, but when I saw their end. When I saw their end, I don't care what it looks like right now. It ain't over with yet. I know it looks like they're winning right now. I know it looks like they're being successful right now. I know it looks like the church is in bad shape and it's going down, but wait till the end. 
We're going to see the collapse of the wicked. Amen. Man, I'm ready to get to that one. Amen. We see historical content, the conquest of Jerusalem, the captivity of the elite in Israel, the commitment of a faithful few, the care of those committed and the collapse of the wicked. B, we see prophetical content. There is prophetical content. We're going to see some historical events that take place, but the most important part, well, that's not the most important, it's all important. One of the important parts, amen, Brother Mark, one of the important parts is what Daniel is going to show us about the coming of the Messiah. I was, I was, <coughs> well, anyway, 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 nope, nope, I ain't going to run that rabbit. Maybe just a little bit, <coughs> maybe just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Let me, let me give you these things and then we'll talk about that in just a second. Number one, number one under prophetical content, we're going to see four great monarchies of the world. Four great monarchies of the world. The Gentile, Gentile world rulers. The Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Greek, and the Roman. The four great empires of the Gentile world. Then number two, the advent or the arrival the advent and death of the Messiah. The advent and death of the Messiah. When you got that, say amen. amen. Number three, the restoration of the Jews. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, this book is written during the Babylonian captivity. Daniel is in Babylon the entire time. The nation of Israel is in captivity for 70 years. Say that with me. 70 Say it again. 70 years. Do you know why they were in captivity for 70 years? God gave them instructions. God gave them instructions on what to do with the land. How many of y'all have ever heard of the year of Jubilee? Yeah. All right. There was, there was Sabbaths that they were supposed to observe when it came to the land. In other words, work the land six years and a Sabbath where you don't work it. Well, they went a period of time. They went a period of time where they didn't observe that. And they didn't do what God said. And so they went year after year after year and didn't observe the Sabbath and give the land rest. Guess how many years? 70. 70 they missed. So guess what God was doing? He was letting the, rain, the land rest for 70 years, the 70 that they had not done what they were supposed to do. This is amazing, isn't it? God's got a plan. He always has a plan. Daniel is in Babylon this entire time. Do you know what the, the nation of Israel is going to need? Hope. They're going to need hope. And this book is an encouragement this book is a blessing of hope in what God's going to do. Y'all want to help? Mom, help her. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Go ahead. Go out this way. This way. Thank you. All right. Turn me up, Mike. I can't hear me again. All right. Go ahead, Mom. Mom, go with me. Go with me. Now watch. Now watch. They're discouraged. The nation, right here, right here. I'm right here. The nation of Israel, 
is going to be discouraged. They're going to think it's all over because you're in Babylon 70 years and God's letting them know. God's letting them know you're coming home. This is not all there is to it. There is hope you're going to make it home. Now, I don't know about y'all, but we're living in a wicked world. We're living in a wicked society. We're living in difficult times, but I need everybody here to know that we are going to make it home. We're going to make it home. There is hope. There is a promise. Somebody say amen. So Daniel is writing to give hope to the people that this is not over, that we will make it home. Church say amen. Amen. The restoration of the Jewish people. Then we're going to see, then we're going to see the conversion of the Gentiles. The conversion of the Gentiles. Not only the four great monarchies of the world, but the advent and death of the Messiah, the restoration of the Jews, and the conversion of the Gentiles. Now keep in mind, that's going to be foreign. That's going to be foreign to the nation of Israel because for for so long, they were God's chosen people. They were the only ones. Gentile, you remember they hated the Gentiles. They hated the Gentiles. What they didn't realize is they were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. It was their responsibility to, to reveal God to everyone else. God didn't pick them just because he, he loved them and hated the Gentiles. He picked them to choose them to be a light to the Gentiles. Now, one of the things that, that stood out to me when I, was, when I was studying this and putting this together is Daniel is so accurate. Daniel is so accurate in his prediction and the coming of Messiah. That before, before the coming of Messiah, Daniel, the book of Daniel was renowned and was studied and was taught by the rabbis. But then after it was no longer used and it was no longer recommended, it was no longer taught or, or considered to be authentic or considered to be holy. And the reason why is because if Daniel's right, We missed him. If Daniel, if Daniel is right and Daniel is holy and this is an authentic book, then we killed the one who was sent. Think about that. Do you know why people don't want the book you've got in your hand? Because it makes them guilty. The reason people make excuses and the reason people try to come up with this reason and that reason. I, 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 it, I've seen this I tell you, a hundred thousand times. A hundred thousand times. People make excuses about giving. Well, I'm not giving. Uh, no, 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 no. No. Well, I think we should give here. Most people say that is because they ain't giving nothing. And when you say, hey, I think you need it. Well, I don't believe the Bible's just fairy tales. Well, the reason they say that because they got to ease their conscience, because if the Bible's right, they're in trouble. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch this. Watch this. Let's look at the characters. Number two, we got to hurry. Got to hurry. The characters in the book. Let me give you just a little breakdown of the the characters we're going to find. First of all, Daniel, obviously, obviously we've had Daniel. His name means God is my judge. 
Now we're going to go into the name change next week. I didn't want to do it this week because I want to do it when we do the verse by verse part. This is just the intro. Amen. So just keep that in mind. This is just the intro. Uh, God is my judge. He's of noble. He's of noble blood. He's of royalty. He's part of the Jewish youth of Jerusalem. It was taken into captivity in the very first, the very first one in 605. Serving the king and his successors with loyalty and ability until the time of the Persian conqueror Cyrus. All the while, all the while, you ought to underline this, all the while remaining true to the God of Israel. All the while remaining true to the God of Israel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are first mentioned in Daniel chapter number one. Where alongside Daniel, they are brought to Babylon to study Chaldean language and literature with a view to them serving at the king's court and their Hebrew names are replaced with Chaldean or Babylonian names. All right. And we're going to learn what are they known for? What are they known for? Fiery furnace, fiery furnace. All right. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the second king of the Neo-Babylonian empire, ruling from the death of his father, whatever you want to call him right there. <laughs> Nabopolassar is as good as I can get. Amen. Uh, 605 BC to his own death in 562 BC. Historically known as Nebuchadnezzar the Great, Nebuchadnezzar remains famous for his military campaigns, for his construction projects in his capital, Babylon, and for the important part he played in Jewish history. All right. Belshazzar. Belshazzar was the son and crown prince of Nabonidus, the last king of the Neo-Babylonian empire. Through his mother, he might've been a grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, in the chapter we're going to get to here in just a little bit, it's going to say, you know, uh, Belshazzar, son of Nebuchadnezzar, but it was his grandson. It was his grandson. Historians believe Nabonidus was married to a daughter of Nebuchadnezzar and was the father of Belshazzar. Nabonidus ruled the Babylonian empire, but Belshazzar's son was co-regent and ruled the city of Babylon. Can anybody remember what he's known for? The writing on the wall. The writing on the wall. All right. E, E. We may get to that chapter title, you know when the party's over. Amen. Cyrus the Persian. Cyrus the Persian, commonly known as Cyrus the Great and also called Cyrus the Elder by the Greeks. The first Persian empire, the reign of Cyrus the Great lasted about 30 years. Cyrus built his empire by first conquering the Median uh, Empire, then the Lydian Empire, and eventually the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Cyrus the Great respected the customs and religions of the land he conquered. This became a very successful model by, uh, for centralized administration and establishing a government working to the advantage and profit of its subjects. This is what gave them the ability to go back home. Amen. Cyrus was anointed of God, period, period. He was a Gentile king, but he was appointed by God to get his people back to, back to Jerusalem. Uh, what, what is sometimes referred to as the edict of restoration describing in the Bible as being made by Cyrus, the great left a lasting legacy on the Jewish religion. According to Isaiah 45, one of the Hebrew Bible, God anointed Cyrus for this task. Church say, amen. Amen. 
Then we have Darius. Darius. <clears throat> Darius is the one. I don't want to ruin, ruin the anticipation. But he's the one that killed Belshazzar. And we'll get to that. The conquest of Babylon was engineered by Cyrus, king of Persia. Who was God's chosen servant for the task. Who then was Darius the Mede? Mentioned in Daniel. Now many students believe that Darius was Gubaru an important officer in the army whom Cyrus made ruler of the province of Babylon. Darius the Mede, this is important, you need to underline this. Darius the Mede must not be confused with Darius the First, who ruled from 522 to 486 and encouraged the Jewish remnant in the restoration of the temple. These are two different people. Okay, it's very important. They're two different people. We'll read about that one in Ezra chapter 1 and 5.1. In six through, uh, or five, one, six through 22. All right. So these are some of the characters that make up the book of Daniel that we're going to study and, and read about in primarily in primarily the historical section. Okay. Say that with me. Primarily in the historical, historical section, which is the beginning. All right. The beginning. Now toward the end, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the Ancient of Days. In the end, we're going to talk about the Angel Michael. Are, are y'all with me? Uh, we're going to, we're going to, it's going to be really, really good. So, so, so keep, keep your seatbelt on. Amen. Number three. Number three. Let's kind of look at a conclusion of the book. An over, overview, an overriding view of the book. The conclusion of the book. What do we see throughout this book? What do we see that stands out? Uh, probably more than anything in this book. First of all, the steadfastness of God's people. The steadfastness of God's people. Keep in mind, keep in mind that in the midst of a wicked culture, in the midst of a wicked society, in the midst of a wicked surroundings, idolatrous people, a long way from home, these are young, teenage, young men, but yet they stood fast. The last verse that we read, the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He purposed, and see, this is going to be so important that we get this because Daniel and the three Hebrew children all were together in this deal. They all made a pact. They all made a commitment and they said, no matter what, we're going to do right. They did it in their heart. Before the temptation come, they purposed in their heart. Before the fiery furnace, they purposed in their heart. Before the den of lions, they purposed in their heart. And what am I saying? I'm telling you this now. You need to make up your mind right now before the laws change. You need to make up your mind right now before the persecution comes. You need to make up your mind right now that no matter what laws are passed, no matter what the government does, no matter how many churches are shut down, you're going to purpose in your heart right now before the den of lions, before the fiery furnace, we will do what God commands us to do. If you don't do it now, you won't do it then. What gave them the ability to stand fast, even though they faced a den of lions, even though they faced a fiery furnace, because they already had their minds made up. Church, say amen. amen. How do you know? He said Daniel purposed in his heart. Look what it says, Daniel 1.8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, think about this. Think about this. This is not in your notes, but think about this. 
What's the big deal? It's just a little food. It's just a little, this is not that big of sin. I mean, I can understand bowing down to a statue, bowing down to an idol. I could understand that kind of idolatry. But preacher, is it that big a deal? Think about it. If we're not faithful in the little. You see, they were unwavering. Nobody would have known. Nobody would have had a clue. It was just a small little issue of unkosher food. Listen, if we compromise in the little, we'll never be able to stand in the fire. Can y'all see this? We can't give a little. We can't give an inch. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, the camel with his nose in the tent? If the camel gets his nose in the door of the tent, you ain't going to stop him till his behind is in there. (laughs) Giving them a foothold. You cannot allow any compromise. And I'm, I'm afraid we're seeing it rampant. I, I, was, I was told something that made me so mad this week. I'm telling you, somebody that's supposed to be, supposed to be godly and a, a, a leader of young people gave the worst advice ever to a young person. Ever to a young person. And, 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 and what frustrated me the most, they should know better. They should know better. And I'm thinking, if this person is this ignorant, this young person that they're giving the advice to ain't got a prayer. And the, and the whole premise of the deal was it's not that big a deal. Let me tell you something. Any sin is a big deal. Any sin. Because one leads to another and to another and to another. I know as we look at this, it's a whole, that's not that big a deal. It's just a little food. But to them young men, they said nothing. We will compromise nothing. And because of that, One day they walked out of a fire without any burn. And all God's people said. Listen, I love the way he said it too. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because we'll get that chapter directly. But I just love, I just love the the grit. I mean, some of them's got to be somewhere. They would have made a good John Wayne. (laughs) They said, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, O king. You know, the king said, here's the statue, bow down, I'm going to give you another chance. Bow down and, and nothing will happen. But if you don't, I'm going I'm I'm to put you in the furnace. And, 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 and they said, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. You know what that means in Alabama? I said, we just ain't going to beat around the bush. We're just going to tell you like it is. Yeah. We're not careful to answer thee in this matter, O king. Our God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. But if not, we still ain't bowing. 
Even if we die, we're not going to bow. Even if God chooses to take us home, we're not going to bow. Yeah. Steadfastness in the midst of wicked. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, we, we, we have been spoiled. We have, we have, I'm telling you, the American church has been spoiled rotten, but it's coming to an end. You are seeing pastors in Canada that are being arrested. Hey, it's trickling down. It's coming. You think all these band-aids is just about, no, it's about control and it's coming. We may be, we may be right now being tempted with the king's meat with what we're dealing with right now. But ladies and gentlemen, the den of lions and the fiery furnace is coming. If we choose to compromise now, we will never be able to stand then. Never. Listen, listen, the steadfastness of God's people. And and another thing, not only a wicked culture in a wicked society, but compromising friends. Compromising friends. There was, there was a lot more of these royal kids. But when it come time, when it come time to stand at the, at the statue, stand for God or bow to the statue, these three boys was the only ones standing. What are you going to do when everybody else bows? Are you going to stand when everybody else doesn't? Are you going to be steadfast in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of persecution? It's right if nobody does it. And it's right if nobody else is doing it. It doesn't matter if everybody's doing it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And it don't matter if nobody's doing it. If it's right, it's right. Amen. Yes. But watch this. I got good news. Not only we're talking about the conclusion of the book. We not only see the steadfastness of God's people, we see the supernatural protection of God. The supernatural protection of God. When they brought Daniel out of that lion's den or den of lions, I, I, you got to make sure you say den of lions because a lion's den can be empty. But a den of lions means there's lions in there. This is what they said, Daniel 6, 26. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom and that men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Watch this, verse 27, say it with me. He, say it again. He works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Good news, everybody. Keep standing. Because our God is able. Our God is able. Then see, then see, here's the really, here's really the point. This is what the whole book's about. This is what the whole book's about. How much of the book? The whole book. The sovereignty of God in the affairs of men. What does this mean? No matter what it looks like in your surroundings, God's in charge. 
I don't know. Nebuchadnezzar, he looks pretty powerful. He looks, he looks, oh, wait till we get to chapter number two. Chapter three, two. You see, God had to humble Nebuchadnezzar. He had to humble Nebuchadnezzar. And I don't want to get into it because we're going to get there. But in Daniel chapter four, verse 17, he said, this matters by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living as you and me, that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he. You know, who's in, you know, who's in office right now? Whoever God said was going to. Y'all can freak out and lose your mind and do everything you want to do. But if he's there, God let him be there. That's a fact. Watch this, Daniel 4.34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, this was after God humbled him. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdoms from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Watch this now. Watch this. Look at this great revelation that Nebuchadnezzar came up with after God slapped him around a little bit. He says, God doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Here, here is the good news, ladies and gentlemen. Look at me, everybody. Look at me, everybody. We're going to get out of here early. <clears throat> no matter, no matter what it looks like, he's still in charge. No matter, no matter. Preacher, what, what, what are you getting at? They've been kidnapped. They've been taken into captivity and now they're being made, they're being made to try to eat food that they know as a good Jewish boy, they shouldn't be eating. But guess what? We're going to find out next week. God delivers them. And not only, not only do they survive, but they prosper. Are y'all getting in? I mean, everything by man's standards, it looks like the ultimate defeat and the ultimate downfall and the ultimate terrible, everything is awful. But you know where Daniel ends up living? In a palace. As a president, prime minister. They didn't just survive. They prosper. What's the point, preacher? You're going to get it. You're going to get the point in a few years. It may not be a few years. The way things are progressing right now, it's coming. Persecution's coming. Temptation's coming. Listen, difficulty's coming. All of that. But we don't need to be sitting around chewing our fingernails to the quick. 
Because God is in control. Throughout this whole deal, throughout the whole deal, the den of lions, the fiery furnace, even the stuff with the food. He said, I tell you what, we're going, we're going, let's, let's do this. Let's have a, let's, let's have a little competition. You give them the wine and you give them the, the, the meat probably is probably pork because it was unco- It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, they wasn't allowed to eat it or they defile themselves. So possibly pork. Thank God for the new Testament. Say amen right there. Hey, anyway, even with that. They're drinking water and vegetables and getting fatter than the ones eating. You know why? Because God's up in heaven. Pulling the strings. The king thought he was all that. He thought he was all that and it was his kingdom and he was in charge and he was in control and he was in power. And God humbled him. Made him go out and eat grass like an oxen. And you know what? Nebuchadnezzar came back and said, hey, 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 he, I'm not in charge. The reason this book is so important, guys, is because things are going to start looking bad. Things are going to start looking bad. But you need to know, and you need to remember that God is in charge. Nobody's in office today that he didn't allow to be there. And, and here's one thing you've got to understand, and this is something that I don't think we're talking about enough. God put them in places to, to work out his will with the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is thinking this is the worst thing in the world, but it was just according to God's plan to get them out of the land so he could get the, the, the land to have the, the Sabbath, the rest that it needed, also to judge his people, to correct his people, to draw them back to him. But the whole time, they were just puppets in God's hands. Now, we need to understand this. Everybody look at me now. Everybody look at me. We've got four minutes. I'm using them all. You see what's happening in our government. You see what's happening in our nation. And, and, and on one hand, you know, you just want to weep. You just want to weep over what was or what it used to be. Do you realize that the, the, the elders in Israel did that when they built the second temple? It said the old men were weeping and the young men were shouting. The young men had never seen the original temple. They never knew the glory of the original temple. They never knew the splendor and the majesty of Solomon's temple. But the old men did. And when they built the second temple, it wasn't nowhere near as glorious and wonderful and blessed as the first one. So the old men were remembering and they were weeping, but the young men were shouting. Some of the young people don't understand what you older people realize what used to be. But you need to understand this. It's all coming together as part of God's plan. There's got to be a one world government. There's got to be mass confusion. There's got to be mass desperation. 
This world has to be in chaos because somebody's got to come and be the hero and he'll be the antichrist. It all has to happen. God is behind the scenes orchestrating everything. Everything. And throughout this whole thing, you're going to learn that God's got a plan. And his plan will come to pass. The whole second half of the book of Daniel is God saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. This is going to happen. This is when it's going to happen. This is the day it's going to happen. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all remember? How many of y'all remember uh, when Jesus was born? Who come to visit him? The wise men. The Magi. Where, where do you think the Magi came from? The land of Shinar. Babylon. The Chaldeans. How do you think the Magi knew where to look and when to look? Because they had an old boy who did some writing. And gave the time, the date, and the place of the Messiah. And they show up in Bethlehem and say, we have come to worship him. Because there was an old boy several years ago named Daniel. And he told him, the king is coming. It was all part of God's plan. Everything fell together just like God said it would. So we'll preach it. That's the book of Daniel. No, no, no. You don't understand. He still has a plan. 